American citizens who were shot Saturday in Burlington, Vermont. The president continues to receive updates from his team about the ongoing investigation. These students were taking part in a uniquely American tradition, gathering with family and loved ones to celebrate Thanksgiving. They should be back in school with their classmates, not in a hospital room. The president, first lady, and everyone here at the White House join Americans across the country in praying for their full recovery. And we send our deepest condolences to their families and the broader Palestinian, Arab, and Muslim American communities. While we are waiting for more facts, we know this. There is absolutely, absolutely no place for violence or hate in America. No person should worry about being targeted while going about their daily lives. And too, and far too many Americans know a family member injured or killed as a result of gun violence. We cannot and we will not accept that. Our thanks go to the Burlington Police Department, the FBI, AFT, and other law enforcement partners for their swift work identifying and arresting a suspect last night. Now on to uh, the news of the day and what you're going to hear from the president in a couple of hours. So I want to say a few words here about what the president has been doing uh, to, work to work in lowering costs. Uh, this holiday season, families are seeing lower prices on everyday items from gas to groceries as holiday, as holiday shopping starts. Shelves are stocked and prices, prices for toys, TVs, and used vehicles are all down from last year. And we just saw record Black Friday sales. In a couple of hours, President Biden will announce 30 new actions to strengthen, to strengthen supply chains and make sure families get the products they need when they need them. That includes creating the Council on Supply Chain Resilience, invoking the Defense Production Act to mitigate drug shortages, making new investments in clean energy and our food systems, and improving supply chain monitoring. These actions build on President Biden's previous work to improve supply chains, signing an executive order to get goods moving again, establishing the Supply Chain Disruption Task Force, and investing in our transportation and industry industries of the future through the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, CHIPS Act, and Inflation Reduction Act. This work helped unsnarl supply chains and lower inflation. On Thanksgiving 2021, more than 100 container ships were waiting to dock at U.S. ports. This Thanksgiving, it was just eight. And supply chain pressures have declined from record highs to a record low. As the graph behind me shows, inflation has fallen as supply chain pressures have eased. Republicans in Congress want to undo that progress by cutting investments in infrastructure, manufacturing, and also workers. That will offshore jobs and make our supply chains more vulnerable. And they want to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid while providing giveaways to the wealthy and big corporations. Now, the president won't let that happen. He's lowering costs for hardworking families, not for millionaires and billionaires. And finally, while we're talking about lowering costs for American people, I also want to highlight the president's work to bring down the cost of health care. 
Meanwhile, congressional Republicans are working to rescind health care coverage for millions of Americans, gut coverage for pre-existing conditions, restore insurance companies' ability to kick you off your coverage if you get sick, throw Americans up to, to age 26 off their parents' health plans, health care, charge women more than men, eliminate free mammograms and colon cancer screenings, slash Medicaid, and increase drug costs, all in the name of new tax welfare for wealthy special interests. This tax, tax welfare could further hurt people by expanding the deficit and worsening inflation. This is unacceptable. We will not stand for this. We need to be asking the wealthy to pay their fair share so we can invest in lower costs for hardworking families, not selling hardworking families out with higher cost, health care costs, so the wealthy can gain a new tax windfall. And with that, I have John Kirby here. The Admiral's here to give an update on what's happening in the Middle East and take any other uh, other foreign policy questions you may have. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. So just right at the top, uh, of course, we welcome the announcement just a little bit ago, I think in the last hour or so, by Qatar, that the humanitarian pause in Gaza now in its fourth day will be extended for another two days through Thursday morning Israel time. This humanitarian pause has already brought a halt to the fighting together with a surge of humanitarian assistance. Now, in order to extend the pause, Hamas has committed to releasing another 20 women and children over the next two days. We would, of course, hope to see the pause extended further, and that will depend upon Hamas continuing to release hostages. The President has been deeply engaged on this process throughout the Thanksgiving weekend. He spoke with the Emir of Qatar at a very critical moment to help resolve an impasse on the second day of the pause. And then yesterday, he spoke with Prime Minister Netanyahu with a focus on working towards an extension of the pause, the extension that, quite frankly, we're seeing today. Uh, his team then worked on that overnight and through the morning. He was briefed this morning by the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, on the ongoing talks to extend the pause. Uh, he and his entire national security team will obviously stay engaged on this over the coming days as we work to implement this extension of the original agreement, as well as efforts to extend the pause even from there. Uh, just a quick update on the figures. As of uh, the, the morning of November 26, 200 trucks were dispatched to the Rafah crossing and 137 trucks of supplies were offloaded by the United Nations reception point in Gaza, making it the biggest humanitarian convoy received since the 7th of October. And this brings the total number of trucks uh, of aid and assistance, including fuel, to over 2,000 since the 21st of October. Our team has prioritized getting this much-needed relief into Gaza to alleviate, alleviate the suffering of Palestinian civilians there. Of course, most of them have nothing to do with Hamas. Uh, and to date, we have assisted over 840 Americans and their families who have departed and sought the support of our team on the ground in Egypt. And with that, take some questions. Thank you, Admiral. Um, two things here. The President uh, called conditional aid for Israel a worthwhile thought. Is he actually considering conditioning aid or not? What he also said, right after uh, acknowledging that it was a worthwhile thought, was that the approach he has chosen to take so far has produced results and outcomes. Many of them I just walked you through in my opening statement. Um, so the approach that we're taking with Israel and, quite frankly, with our partners in the region uh, is working. It's getting aid in to people that need it. It's getting a pause in the fighting. It's getting hostages out. It's getting Americans out. Uh, and quite frankly, we continue to urge and will continue to urge 
the Israelis as they conduct military operations to do so with the utmost care for innocent civilian life. The Democrats in, the part, in his party who say we need to start conditioning aid going forward, what would he say? I think he would say exactly what he said to you all yesterday when he got asked this question. It's a worthwhile thought, but the approach that I'm taking now is working. The approach that we're taking now is working. It's getting results. The increasing dangers to U.S. military personnel in the Gulf. Um, I know you outlined in a series of appearances this morning what happened, um, but are we to continue seeing this sort of, well, let me put it this way, is that strategy of, of dealing with it as it happens going to continue to be the strategy? You've seen some say there should perhaps be a more robust response to these ongoing attacks, whether it's from Iranian-backed militias in Syria or Iraq, whether it's the Houthis. Is, the, is there any thought of changing up how that's done? I don't think we're going to get in the business of telegraphing our punches, Ed. Uh, we've, uh, we've responded uh, forcefully against the threats to our forces in Iraq and Syria, and now uh, our forces in the uh, Gulf region, the, the Gulf of Oman, the Gulf of Aden, uh, will continue to do that as appropriate. Is striking in Yemen still an option? Again, I'm not going to telegraph punches. We will take the steps appropriate to protect our troops and, uh, and our forces uh, in the Middle East region. I would add that the Mason is attached to the USS Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group, which the President dispatched to the region specifically to address the increase in the tensions. Uh, any possibility that Americans will be among the 20 that we release over the next few days? Well, we certainly hope so. I mean, we're going to watch this very, very closely. We're certainly hoping that a another batch of uh, hostages gets released today as part of the fourth and final day of the original agreement. Um, we're going to be watching closely to see if any Americans are in that group. As it, as it has come out uh, over the last three days, we don't really know until you get into the end game who's going to be actually on that list. And, and then even then, you got to watch closely to seeing if who's on the list is the folks that actually come out. So we're watching and, and hoping. And you spoke of the president's conversation at a critical moment to break that impasse. Can you talk a little more about what that impasse was and how that was? <laughs> broken his conversations? I mean, it was really, it came down to, uh, you're talking about the, over the weekend, yeah. it was really more about the, the lists and who was on it, and, um, and I don't want to get into more detail than that. It's a similar issue to what we face today. Uh, the reason why there's been a little bit of a delay, because there was a, um, a difference of a view, if, if you might, uh, over the, the list, and the fact that mothers were not originally going to be allowed to come out with their children, and that's been resolved. So it really had to do with the, the who. And very, very quickly, uh, the newly elected leader of Argentina says he's coming to the U.S., uh, also to D.C. Uh, any meetings scheduled with administration officials, uh, with the president, with anybody else while he's here? Yes, uh, President-elect uh, uh, Malay will be coming to Washington, D.C., largely to meet with the IMF over uh, and the World Bank over uh, um, over their fiscal and economic issues. Uh, but while he's here in town, he'll have a chance to meet with some National Security Council uh, 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 folks, including uh, Jake Sullivan. No plans to meet with the president, right? Like no plans to meet with the president. The president will, as you think you know, will be on travel in the middle of the week. Thank you. Uh, on the remaining Americans who are being held, do you have any more clarity on whether they're being held by Hamas or with one of these other terrorist groups? No. And, you know, all along you've been very clear about concerns that a broader ceasefire would only benefit Hamas. Sullivan was pretty clear yesterday in saying that, you know, Hamas has been able to gain some benefit from this. How concerned are you that the longer this truce lasts, now six days, um, that Hamas will benefit? And how do you weigh that? It's a real risk. Um, uh, you have to expect a group like Hamas, a terrorist group, 
which clearly doesn't abide by laws of war, will try to take advantage of any pause in the fighting for their own benefit. So we're watching that closely, as well as our Israeli counterparts. You can you can bet that they're watching that closely. Uh, but, and I don't want to speak for uh, the Israelis, but I mean this is a, a calculated risk that. Prime Minister Netanyahu and his war cabinet are willing to take in order to get those hostages out. So it's a it's a balance. Um, and as you've also heard the Israelis say, that once uh, the pauses are over, uh, they intend to go right back at military operations. And when you say that you know, Hamas has been able to get some benefits so far, is that restocking, resupplying? What is that benefit? It's, it's, you know, I would just say that without getting into intelligence issues, that any pause in the fighting uh, could benefit uh, uh, your enemy in terms of time to refit, to rest your fighters, to rearm them, uh, re-equip them. Um, uh, you know, a pause in the fighting can, can be seen as a, as a benefit. But I, again, I want to stress, and this was always part of the calculus, uh, any discussion of pauses uh, um, was always part of the calculus, that, that Hamas might try to benefit from it. But so too have the Israeli people benefited by the return of, of their loved ones and hostages. So too have the American people benefited now with little Abigail back with her family. So again, it's a balance. Um, and um, again, I won't speak for the Israeli Defense Forces, but when, but, but when they have, when, when these pauses are over, then they have made it very clear that they're going to continue to target Hamas leadership. John, how many Americans are still being held hostage, and do you have proof of life? We think the number is. Um, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, about eight to nine. Um, but we don't necessarily have firm, solid information on each and every one of them. And why haven't the two American women who are with the, with Abigail, what, what happened with them? Why haven't they been released? Well, we certainly hope that we'll see them uh, in, 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 in hopefully today. And if not today, certainly over the next couple of days, we want to see them back with their families where they belong as well. The the lists are developed by Hamas, uh, and then of course there's the Israelis develop their list of Palestinian prisons that they're going to release. And we're not involved in the specific drafting of the lists and the determination on Hamas's side of who's going to come out on any given day. Obviously, we want to see those two American women released as soon as possible. And the truce being extended two days, what what happens now? Do you want to get like three days next or a permanent truce? What, what, what's the thing? It's like I said in my opening statement, Steve. We're, we're grateful that we've got an extra two days to work with here. That'll, that'll result in the release of 20 more individuals, yes. women and children. And as I said uh, right at the top, we'd certainly like to see even that extension extended further uh, until all the hostages are released. That's really the goal here, get all the hostages home with their families where they belong. And we, you know, however, however long that could take. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, just to follow up on the question about uh, Millet visiting Washington, you mentioned that most of his meetings would be with the IMF, <laughs> but who will be he meeting at the White House, at the NSC? And what are the expectations of the White House for this meeting? And more broadly, what are the expectations of the president for the relationship between the two nations? I already answered that question. He's going to be, he'll have a chance to meet with Jake Sullivan um, and potentially other folks here at the NSC. We'll have to see how that shakes out. Uh, the president won't, unfortunately, be able to meet with him because of domestic travel. Um, but uh, obviously, we want to continue to look for ways to cooperate with Argentina. Argentina is a, a, a healthy and vibrant partner uh, in this hemisphere on many, many issues. Um, and so we're looking forward to obviously hearing what the president-elect's ideas are and where he wants to go on policy issues and making sure that we have a, a chance to keep that line of channel, that channel communication open. Beautiful. 
Uh, John, I want to go to uh, to Africa and the Congo, if you will. Uh, updates after the visit from DNI, DNI head, National Security and State, and also um, maybe connecting this with the president's meeting with the president of Angola on trade that deals with the Congo and Zambia. Is that playing a part in also trying to stabilize the, the frictions there to try to quell all the violence there? I don't really have an update for you on the Congo, April. Uh, uh, the president is looking forward to meeting with the president of Angola later this week on Thursday. Um, there's a, certainly a wide range of issues to discuss uh, in terms of our bilateral relations and the situation on the continent. Um, I won't get too far ahead of that meeting, but uh, he's looking forward to that. And I, I will take your question back on specifically on the Congo. I just don't have an update for you. Well, and specifically on the Congo, because there are a lot of people out here trying to find out what's going on, especially it's one of the worst humanitarian crises that has been reported in Africa and all over the world. People are looking for more information on that one as well. Please. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Uh, uh, let, me, let me take your question. Angola is a strategic partner and a growing global voice on issues of peace and security. The president's grateful to Angola for their principled voice in terms of the conflict in Ukraine and the role that President Lorenko is playing to advance solutions to conflicts uh, there as well. Angola and the United States are expanding their, our economic cooperation at record speed, including pursuing additional investments through the President's flagship Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment to build quality, sustainable infrastructure that helps connect Angola to global markets. So there will be a lot of that on the agenda. And will the President travel to Africa this year, as he promised during the... I, I don't have any travel to speak to today. Um, thanks, thanks, thanks. Just going back to the, the extension of the truce, um, is there any chance? Is there any chance that it could be you know, further extended, or do you think it is it inevitable that um, you know hostilities are going to resume? Do you think? Well, we certainly want to see it extended. As I said right at the o opening, uh, we uh, we're going to keep working for an extension to the pause again. Absolutely, that's what we want. We want to see all the hostages out, and this is the best way to get them out. Do you think? Are you? Um, do you think? Are you? You know? Are you? Are you? Do you think there's any chance that Israel may decide not to? You know, there's any chance that they may halt the offense? That they're offensive? Or the Israelis have been pretty clear that once the the pauses are complete and the hostage exchanges are over, that they intend to continue their military operations against Hamas. John, what has the U.S. learned about how the now returned hostages were treated in captivity? <clears throat> I don't know that we have a lot of specific information about uh, all of them. Uh, remember, Abigail is the only American citizen of the, the ones that have been released. Um, I think they're all, the main priority is to get them the medical care that they need. Uh, we have to assume that they have medical needs, all of them in some form or fashion. Um, and then getting a chance to get reunited with their families. And then I think at some point, Israeli officials will start to ask them inform, you know, about information about their captivity. and. and but I would leave it to these individuals and the Israeli government to speak to what that looked like. I, I, I think it's a safe assumption. I mean, they, they were taken against their will and in violent circumstances that this had to have been a harrowing experience for them. Uh, and uh, and the, we also have to assume that the conditions in which they were being held was 
were, were obviously less than ideal, uh, given you know given what uh, Hamas has proven capable of doing. But I just don't have a whole lot of specific information on each and every one. I think it's important to also remember that Hamas uh, likely doesn't hold each and every one, and so uh, being held by Hamas. Probably they had hostages in more than one location, um, and there's other groups that may be holding some of these hostages as well, and the conditions could be could be starkly different. We just we just don't know, know enough right now. And how should we be thinking about the numbers? If the original agreement was for 50 women and children, and now we expect two more days, but on certain days they've been releasing more than 10 at a time, so we're up to something like 58. Well, right. I mean, remember you had you had. 50, 50 plus coming out was the original deal. It wasn't just, I think it was a little bit more than 50, which they agreed to. And if you got four days to do that, you're going to have to do more than 10 per day to do, to, do the, to do it. And so we're hoping for a list today that will have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 13 is what we're hoping for today. So that's just, you know, that's just basic math, trying to do 50 in four days. Um, the extension is for an additional 20 over two days. Um, and so we'll see how that shakes out. And then finally, what does the two-day extension mean for getting more aid into Gaza, and what will you, what will the U.S. be able to help facilitate yeah. in terms of that, those 48 hours? It's a great question. With every single day, and this is the part of this hostage deal that uh, probably doesn't get as much attention as it deserves, it has allowed for a surge of humanitarian assistance into Gaza. I just gave you the numbers today, 200 trucks just today. And that brings, again, over, since the 21st, it gives a total of over 2,000, including fuel. And that's not insignificant, that fuel is now getting in tens of thousands of gallons per day. So another two days, I mean, my goodness, that gives you the chance for dozens more trucks and tens of thousands of more gallons of fuel that can get into Gaza to people in need. So it's, it, we're going to take advantage of every hour of every day that there's a pause to try to help the people of Gaza. Thanks, John. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the president's involvement in all this has impacted other priorities? Thinking about COP28, reports that he's not going. Would he have gone had he not been needing to deal with this? Well, I've seen some press reporting on that. I'm, I don't have anything to uh, to speak to with respect to uh, uh, travel to, to COP. Um, look, yes, the president has been very much focused on the conflict between Israel and Hamas over the last month or so, clearly. I mean, well, more than a month, um, uh, obviously. And as I said in my opening statement, he was working the phones over the course of Thanksgiving weekend. And I suspect that he'll continue to work the phones in coming days, uh, without question. But at the same time, um, he, he's also working across a range of issues. I mean, Karine just laid out for you what he's doing on the economic front here at home. and. Uh, in the middle of meeting with President Xi in, in San Francisco, he was also calling the Mayor of Qatar and Prime Minister Netanyahu, and but didn't 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 stop him from dealing with issues of Indo-Pacific security. He's the Commander in Chief, uh, which means he has global responsibilities, and the President is more than capable of handling them on any given day. May I also ask um, how the concerns here domestically, the calls for. Uh, a ceasefire, the, the anger about violence, has impacted the president's discussions this la these last few days. Um, and also, like, how, ha and how does he hope and how does the administration hope the pause and the extra trucks that are coming in that you're talking about, does he hope that that will quell some of the anger? Does the administration hope that will quell the anger, um, ease some of the pain that the country is feeling? The president understands that there's strong feelings here. 
on multiple sides. He, he understands that. He respects that. Um, uh, there's, there's strong feelings. He also believes, right down to his core, uh, that the approach we've been taking has been getting results. It has obviously has helped enable Israel to deal with what is, quite frankly, a genocidal threat to their existence by Hamas, by giving them some additional security assistance and, quite frankly, sharing with them our perspectives and advice and counsel on the conduct of military operations, to do so in a way that is as careful and deliberate as possible, obviously with the acknowledgement that these are their operations to plan and execute and speak to. At the same time, um, he has literally led, personally led, uh, an incredible surge of humanitarian assistance. No other nation but the United States and no other leader but Joe Biden has done as much. Now, I, always say, I say that with full acknowledgement that we couldn't have done this without the assistance of partners, the Emir of Qatar, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, and President Sisi of Egypt, three, and uh, King Ab Abdullah of Jordan. A lot of help on the ground. I don't mean to uh, discount that, but the President has been in a personal leadership role here in terms of getting humanitarian assistance in. And we have been able to get now much more uh, over the last few days than we were even uh, in the last couple of weeks, as well as the removal of, of individuals out of Gaza and out of harm's way, 850 Americans, as well as hundreds of others from other countries, and of course all these hostages that we're now seeing. Uh, all of that is the result of a, a lot of personal leadership and involvement and engagement by President Biden, no question about that. I mean, even uh, the Prime Minister's office said as, as recently as today uh, how critical President Biden's leadership has been. So. As long as our approach is getting results, I think you can expect that the president's going to continue to, to follow that approach. In his conversations with his counterparts, has the president received any reassurances that the two American women will be released today, and if not today, in the next two days? We hope that they will be released today, but we won't know until we see the list and we see who comes, actually comes across. We want, to get, we want to get them released right away. When do you expect to see the list, and are there any holdups that you are still working through now? I'm not aware of any other additional holdups now that uh, the one sticking point was whether um, uh, two mothers could come out with their children. It looks like that has been resolved and they will be. I mean, my goodness, I mean, we're talking about letting little kids go without their moms. Um, so that got resolved and that's a good thing. But again, uh, we'll have to see. We won't really know who comes out, regardless of the list itself until you actually get them on the other side on the receiving end and can identify them and know, in fact, that who you have is who you thought you would have. Do you have any information on the conditions of the other American hostages? No, I think Steve asked that question. I, okay. I don't have any more information. And lastly, have negotiations started about the next phase of the release, and that would include men? Well, right now, we're focused on this extension here for 20 more hostages over the course of two days. And as I said in my opening statement, that extension applies only to women and children. Uh, so we're going to focus this a piece at a time. We're, we're glad that we got to day four here. We won't breathe a sigh of relief until we know we've got today's hostages out. And the team is already working, our team working with our partners in the region, already working on this two-day extension for 20 more. Uh, and as I said at, at the top, if we could extend that, We'll keep. We'll we'll want to see it keep extending until we can get all the hostages out. Admiral, um, we're seeing that Saudi Arabia is pressuring other OPEC Plus members to reinstate those oil supply cuts. Wondering what your level of concern is and what you see as the impact on inflation in the U.S. Well, I think I'll let OPEC leaders talk to their their plans. As far as I know, there's been no announcements here of any production cuts. So, 
we'll, we'll let them speak to that. The president's going to keep focusing, as he has been, on um, uh, a, uh, a healthy global market that's properly balanced um, and that can continue to bring the price of gasoline down here in the United States. Thank you so much, John. Uh, CENTCOM is reporting that the uh, carrier strike group Eisenhower has entered the Arabian Gulf. Um, what message is Washington trying to send to Tehran with, the, with this? Does this mean that they're not heeding the call to not widen the conflict? The uh, great thing about aircraft carriers is they can move around pretty, pretty easily, and uh, we move them around as needed uh, to demonstrate our commitment to our national security interest in, in the region. Look, the message uh, of the Ike and the message of the Ford the message of the additional aircraft squadrons that we send into the region and the, and the air and missile defense assets, all of that is one to any actor in the region, be it a nation state or otherwise, that this is not a time to try to take advantage of the conflict between Israel and Hamas and escalate or deepen this conflict, make it worse. That's the message that we're sending. Is it targeted at Iran? It's targeted at any actor in the region, nation state or otherwise, that might have uh, considerations of widening this conflict. John. Thanks a lot, Kareem. John, in your statement at the top, you thank the government of Qatar for uh, this two-day uh, pause that has been reached. What level of involvement was the U.S. government in securing this agreement? Very much so. I also mentioned in my opening statement that President Biden has been personally involved in getting uh, the original deal in place and loosening up a snag that happened over uh, the weekend as well as uh, working with partners, Qatar and Israel specifically, in the last 24 to 48 hours to get this extension announced. Congress comes back tomorrow. Uh, what's the priority level for securing those aid packages for both Israel and Ukraine? Very, very high, John. I mean, uh, we desperately need the supplemental funding that the President asked for. And I would remind members of Congress as they come back to work that the figures in that supplemental request are well informed by our Ukrainian partners and our Israeli partners. We didn't just pull those figures out of thin air. It was very much in keeping with uh, what our partners have told us they need uh, for the coming months. And in both cases, uh, the runway keeps getting shorter and shorter. You've seen that in the case of Ukraine, the, the, uh, the drawdown packages that we've been providing are now at smaller increments in, in terms of how much money is being allocated uh, because we just don't have the flexibility that we once had in, in terms of the amount of aid that can be given in each and every package. And look, we're in, we're in a critical time here. Uh, uh, winter months are upon us. They're, on, they're upon the Ukrainian army particularly, and it's, uh, it's going to be tougher and tougher for them to conduct operations when the weather gets uh, less conducive to do so. So we, we hope that when Congress comes back to work that they'll, they'll act with the same sense of alacrity that we've been trying to act in terms of getting that supplemental uh, through. Okay. Um, there was reports uh, saying that the president uh, said that he's sorry and he's disappointed in himself after meeting with the Muslim leaders. Do you think that uh, the president could have done more to show sympathy towards Palestinian civilians or being seen as even-handed? Uh, I'm not going to discuss uh, reports of private meetings. Um, uh, as I said earlier, the, the president understands there's strong feelings here on all sides. And as he's also said publicly, he doesn't want to see any more innocent civilians killed or wounded as a result of the fighting in Gaza. Not one. I mean, the right number of civilian casualties is zero. We understand there have been many, many thousands of them 
Um, and we understand that with each and every one of those data points is a grieving family. We, the president understands that. And that's why we're going to continue to urge our Israeli counterparts as they go back, uh, they plan to go back to military operations, that they do it in the most discreet, deliberate, careful, cautious way possible. The um, aim of this war by the Israelis is to, uh, to destroy Hamas and to kill its leaders. One of its leaders is Yahya Sinwar. He's the guy who signs on the hostage deal. Yeah, can I know he is. Can you, explain, uh, can you explain this complexity of, on one hand, Israel wanted him dead, but at the same time, he's the one who decides how many hostages are going to be released. I mean, just help us to understand how complex is that. And is this a way to, is this like a strategy to keep from Hamas to keep on uh, releasing less hostages on the hope that he won't be targeted or will be... Uh, You're asking me to kind of get into the psychology of Hamas, and I'm just not going to do that. What I can tell you is that uh, the Israelis have a right and a responsibility to go after this threat posed by Hamas, and certainly as a part of doing that to go after their leadership, which they have done. Um, and they have talked about uh, the leadership that they have been able to take off the battlefield of Hamas. It's a strategy that we executed ourselves against ISIS and against al-Qaeda. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a logic to going after the leadership of a network. Um, but, uh, but in the meantime, um, there are Hamas political leaders that, uh, that uh, Qatar has connections with and communications with that, uh, that, were, um, that they are working with. Uh, to secure the release of these hostages. Uh, thanks, Greg. Uh, just to follow up on the worthwhile thought remark that the president made, I understand he also said he's standing by his approach, but um, was he saying that he's open to conditioning aid in the future as well, given that this is something he described in that way? I'm not going to get ahead of the president on this. I think he was very clear. Uh, yes, it's a worthwhile thought. He acknowledged that. But he also said, in the same breath, that the approach that we've been taking uh, thus far has produced outcomes and results that have not only benefited the Israeli people in terms of their security, but the people of Gaza in terms of humanitarian assistance uh, and, uh, and the release of so many Americans now uh, just to walk out through, uh, through the Rafah crossing. So uh, we're going to keep working on, on those approaches, on results-based approaches. Thank you, Admiral. Thank you. Good question. Thanks, Admiral. Sorry, guys, we're running out of time. Um, okay. Chris, do you want to? Uh, yeah, I just want to see if you have any update on the supplemental funding uh, conversations right now, uh, how the negotiations are going, uh, you know, when do you when do you So I certainly don't have an update. That is, conversations obviously are <clears throat> happening uh, on the Hill um, on the supplemental funding. I think you just heard that uh, it it's a priority for us, both the domestic and also the national security. We've made very clear that those are emergency asks that we have. Uh, that we put f in front of Congress, and so we're going to continue to make that very clear. Just don't have any updates for you at this time. Uh, and you, you started the, uh, the briefing by talking about the shooting of uh, the three men in, in Vermont. Um, the White House has started, you know, uh, efforts to fight anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, uh, and what more can you say about those efforts? Given that we're continuing to see, you know, uh, allegations of, of hate crimes uh, pop up. 
No, it's a great question, and, and what we're seeing, uh, these hate crimes propping up is, is very concerning, obviously, uh, to us, and this is something that the President, uh, from very early of his administration, uh, has taken on. When you think about, uh, and when you think about groups who are under attack, and the President has said, it is unacceptable. It is unacceptable. People should be able to live their lives, as I said at the top. And so we've taken a number of actions, uh, this administration, recently to address the uh, alarming rise of uh, reported anti-Semitism and also Islamophobia. And we've talked about it uh, over the past couple of weeks, but in recent months, DOJ published an updated threat response guide from the FBI aimed at telling people what steps to take if they receive a threat. The Department of Education released new resource aimed at addressing anti-Semitism and Islamophobia on college campuses, and that is also for um, not just college campuses, but from P-12 uh, schools as well. We also established the first ever national strategy to counter Islamophobia, and earlier this year, uh, we released the national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. So this remains a top priority for this president, and we will do everything that we can so that uh, so that Americans who feel safe in their communities and are not under attack. I'm just going to continue to go around. Go ahead. Um, is the uh, White House open to attaching any border policy changes to a supplemental to get it passed? So I'm not going to negotiate from here. We've made very clear uh, that our request, our supplemental request, as it relates to national security, how important it is. Uh, and why we think it's important, and we've laid that out, had conversations uh, with uh, uh, members of Congress. Uh, obviously, there was a HR2 that was, uh, that was um, introduced uh, by ha the House, and we said we, were, we did not agree with that. And Senate Republicans put forth uh, a similar, I think exactly the same uh, proposal. We did not agree with that as it relates to negotiations that are currently happening in Senate with senators, right? Both Republicans and Democrats were just not going to negotiate but from here. But is it a non-starter with the White House not even entertain a Florida I'm, policy? I'm just not going to get into uh, uh, negotiating from the podium. Okay. Um, on the climate summit, the president attended uh, COP in 2021 and 2022. Why not attend this year? And if he's not attending, will he be participating in some other form, like, uh, like attending virtually? So don't have anything more to add to what uh, the admiral said at the podium as it relates to COP28. Uh, what I will say is that uh, we're going to have a robust representation, obviously, and uh, we, we expect to have a, a productive, uh, it'll be productive. Uh, so we'll have Special Envoy John Kerry, National Climate Advisor Ali Zaidi, and Senior Advisor John Podesta, among others. We'll continue to build on the administration <coughs> historic actions to tackle uh, the climate crisis. President Biden, as you all know, you've heard us say this over and over again, we believe led and has delivered the most ambitious uh, climate agenda in history, both at home and off obviously abroad, and we believe, we've been doing this since day one. So he's secured the largest uh, climate investment ever, putting the, the U.S. on path to cut climate pollution in half by 2030, which is uh, something we believe that we are on track on doing, protecting more than 20 mil 21 million acres of public lands and waters. And so he's going to continue to rally uh, not just uh, uh, world leaders, uh, but obviously um, uh, rally here as well um, and make sure that we put, put climate, uh, climate, his climate ambition action uh, in the forefront. I just don't have any travel updates to, to announce at this time. Good, Steve. Details of the Carter <clears throat> event tomorrow. Will the president make remarks? Will he see Jimmy Carter? So uh, I do have a couple things to say about that. As you know, the president and the first lady and the vice president and the second gentleman are going to be uh, attending uh, tomorrow, uh, the, uh, uh, the event tomorrow. Uh, so 
um, as it relates to uh, what the president's going to be doing. So uh, certainly we're going to refer you to um, to the Carter Center uh, and the Carter family for specific details on the tribute service. Uh, they have planned for the former first lady, uh, Rosalind Carter. Uh, the president and the first lady obviously will, will not be delivering remarks. So we'll but as to anybody else speaking, we would refer you to um, uh, certainly to to the Carter Center. Um, look uh, and ask if the the former president's going to be in attendance. Again, we refer you uh, to the Carter Center. Uh, but the president and the first lady certainly look forward uh, to to being there and to offering um, you know offering their condolences and, and participating in the event by attending. Ken Karen. Thanks, Karine. The president spoke yesterday with members of Abigail and Don's family. Uh, can you tell us what that conversation was like for him? So look, you heard from uh, from my NSC colleague, um, the Admiral, about, um, and you heard from the president. You heard from the president yesterday uh, speak to to the importance of getting Abigail home. As you know, she, she celebrated her fourth uh, birthday while she was uh, in captivity. And uh, how important he believed it was to get her home, but also uh, um, the American hostages who are being held, and also American hostages who are being held more broadly uh, globally. And and you've seen the president's commitment to that uh, since day one. I'm not going to get into private conversations from here. I think the the family, uh, her family, has put out have done interviews, and there's been some. Um, you know, pretty emotional quotes uh, from the family. Just not going to get into that, but uh, it is the president's priority. It is uh, in incredibly important for the president to get uh, these Americans home. And what is the communication like right now between the White House or the administration and the families of the other Americans who are being held hostage? You know, the president had that conversation yeah. weeks ago. Has he had another follow-up to that conversation? Is it daily between senior officials? What's that like? I don't have a, a, a rhythm uh, to, to call out of, of the amount of times that my colleagues at NSC or the State Department uh, have had uh, conversations with um, the families of, of, um, of the hostages. Obviously, we've, we've I think, the last time uh, Jake Sullivan was here. He talked. He spoke to it. Obviously, you heard the president. Uh, we've read out the president's calls. I just don't have anything to share uh, at this time on any uh, additional conversations. Uh, but again, it is the president's uh, priority uh, to get uh, to get home uh, the hostages, especially the obviously the American hostages, uh, which is why these pauses have been so important uh, to get humanitarian aid in, obviously to the people of Gaza, but also uh, making sure that these hostages go back to their families and and uh, friends who love them dearly and are missing them. Okay. Kareem, uh, the supply chain announcements today are rooted in all the issues that came up back in 2020, 2021, when a lot of it was rooted in shipping and holiday shopping and whatnot. I'm curious, does the president or first lady do any online shopping? Have they had any, <laughs> no, seriously, have they had any personal experience with the frustrations that American consumers across the country felt in recent years. So, agree. There's been some frustrations uh, that obviously that the American consumers have felt recently, which is why we took those actions. You just listed them out. And they've had, uh, they've been beneficial. I've talked about the containers where we were uh, two years ago, uh, where 100 containers were, decli were declined, and now we're at eight, right? We talked about, I talked about October 2021, as you just mentioned, to October 23, and how supply chain pressures, uh, how they, how much they, they, they hurt the 
the economy, which is why the president continues to make these announcements. This is what you're going to hear from the president at 2 o'clock. Look, I can't speak to the president or the first lady's uh, shopping uh, strategy, how they go about it, but they understand what Americans are feeling. That's, again, that's why we keep talking about lowering costs. That's why we're talking about something that's so important, like supply chain, as it affects uh, the economy. Uh, but look, um, what we believe is the president's action, what he's taken, the actions that he's taken has worked, has worked. Uh, and we see that with the holidays the season, right, with families and, and how we've seen lower prices coming down. So no word if he's shopping. <laughs> well, I could say this. For commander, I, I, <laughs> um, well, I could say this. You saw the president on Saturday, shopping, right, on Friday, small business. But how important shopping. it is, right, right. shopping for uh, making sure that, uh, you know, small businesses are an important part of the economy. And you saw the president, the first lady, and his, his family uh, making sure that they were visiting small business on uh, going into the holidays. And I suspect if we polled the room, many of us would probably ask some version of the following question. Okay. Given the president's sagging poll numbers and the fact that he is currently placing behind any Republican opponent. Has there been any talk in this White House about a change in strategy or staffing going forward in reflection of those numbers to continue to show him underwater? No. And there was also a call out in recent weeks to staff, to senior officials, that if you want to go by the end of the year, go. Otherwise, you're here for the duration of the rest of the term. Is there? Has, should we be anticipating any departures of either cabinet officials or other senior officials? Look, I can't speak to people's personal decisions. I just don't, we don't have anything to announce uh, at this time. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to do the work uh, that the president set out to do. And we just talked about supply chains. We just talked about the economy. We've been talking about the president's leadership uh, globally, especially in the Middle East. That's what we're here to do and focus on. That's what I'm here to do to focus on. I just can't speak to uh, people's decisions. Corrine, um, I had an in-depth conversation with Stevie Wonder last night, who is... I love Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Again, for the serious question, I had an in-depth conversation with Stevie Wonder last night, who is asking, requesting okay. a meeting with the president. He's very concerned about the black agenda falling along the wayside and issues like laws of 50 years ago that are now being abolished or gutted to include issues like mm -hmm. the Voting Rights Act, what happened in Arkansas last week, uh, affirmative action, Supreme Court, as we've seen it, ban on books, and he's also even brought up issues of the Congo and the lack of information from the White House. Is the White House amenable to sitting down with Stevie Wonder, who has met with presidents um, throughout history to include Ronald Reagan? He was one of the major impetus for getting the holiday for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And also, he was one of those who worked with President Obama in his efforts to become president. Is this president amenable to meeting with Stevie Wonder, who has these concerns? And, and you're right, April. What you just laid out in your question is incredibly important. Uh, and so we take that very, very seriously here. Can I just say a couple things about Stevie Wonder? He is an, indeed an icon who's made tremendous, uh, tremendous contributions to the civil rights movement and also voting rights. Uh, and as you just listed out, he was one of the main, uh, main voices in getting uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Day. And we appreciate that. We appreciate uh, his brilliance, and we certainly we appreciate uh, what he's been able to do uh, on behalf of the community. Uh, so I can't, as far as a meeting with the president, uh, sir. 
certainly I'm not aware of any meetings uh, with with the, um, Mr. Wonder or any scheduled meetings, and I don't have anything uh, to announce, obviously, at this time. But I also want to say uh, that uh, on the president's first day in this administration, he has taken this very seriously as it relates to uh, what we're seeing, right, as it re relates to racial inequality. He called it one of the four major crises that we we have to deal with as a country when he stepped into uh, stepped into office. And one of the things that you know, and I know you've covered this very closely, he signed an executive order uh, to initiate initiate a whole of government approach to implementing uh, this his equity agenda. Uh, and a couple of things that he did, he worked to protect the right to vote through executive actions and continued to calls for legislation, took executive actions on police reform when congressional Republicans would not sign the George Floyd Justice uh, Policing Act. And so he's taken actions uh, to make sure that um, that we are uh, protecting the right to vote. Uh, he spoke to the affirmative action, what we saw SCOTUS do, uh, and he spoke to that and he said, and I'll quote, we should never allow the country to walk away from the dream upon which it was founded. The opportunity is for everyone, not just a few. And he stands by those words. Yeah, sure. But Stevie Wonder is not alone in this thought. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's not alone in this thought. He's very upset. And he, he's even looking at this, this issue of courting black males. I mean, he just wants to have a conversation with the deep. Is the president amenable? As he is a leader, as he has met with other presidents on major issues of rights, humanitarian rights, as well as civil rights. And look, you're right. It's not just an issue that Mr. Mr. Stevie Wonder has, right? Have you, as you know, we've met will, with civil rights leaders uh, multiple times, the president himself, the vice president as well, and have sat in rooms listening to them and listening to their concerns and also uh, taking, their, taking in their feedback. So we've taken this very seriously, very seriously. That's why we've taken the actions that we've had throughout the past almost three years in this administration. That's why we're going to continue to be vocal about the importance of making sure that we keep an, an op, an, a door of opportunity uh, uh, for communities. That's why when you think about his economy, what he's put forth on his agenda and policy, when you think about all the policies that he's put forth, there's always been equity at the center of that. So this is something he takes seriously. Again, I don't have anything uh, to share about a meeting with Mr. Stevie Wonder, but obviously this is something that both the president, the vice president, and also the first lady takes incredibly seriously, and you see that. You see that in the actions that we have taken, whether it's policy actions, whether it's speaking out and speaking up about what we're seeing uh, from Republicans, extreme Republicans on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue and what they are trying to do in taking away uh, voting rights or what we've seen from uh, the Supreme Court justice in taking away, uh, uh, taking away uh, certainly affirmative action, which we think is incredibly important. And we'll we're going to continue to speak to that. Seriously. Thank you. Thanks, Green. On lowering prices, you said earlier that the actions the president has taken have worked. So is it your sense that when people were home for Thanksgiving catching up with their family members, they were saying to each other, can you believe how much more affordable things have gotten? So honestly, I wouldn't, uh, I, I hear the question, but I want to make sure this is very clear. We take that very seriously. We take what families families the decisions that they make at their kitchen table whether it's at whether it's during Thanksgiving or whether it is every month as they're trying to make hard decisions uh, about how they move forward with taking care of their family we take that very seriously it's not a joke to us it is important to us 
This is the president who talks about it in a very personal way when he talks about what, what families have to go through, working families, middle class families, and that's why he's taking actions that he has. And so, look, um, the fact is, the data shows that the economy is improving. The data shows that households remain in a strong financial position. Household wealth is, 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 is at a record high, with lower income households seeing the largest gain since the pandemic. Those are indeed what we're seeing. But we don't, we don't take lightly, we, actually, we do not take lightly what Americans and families continue to feel. That's why the president at 2 o'clock is going to talk about what the actions that he's taking to continue to lower costs. But why do you think it is that when you say the economy is improving and President Biden says the economy is improving, that a majority of Americans outside of this building are not buying it? So here's the thing. When we walked into this administration, the economy was on a tailspin. A tailspin. That is the fact. Because of the last administration, because of the Trump administration, because of how they dealt with, uh, with dealt with COVID and the pandemic, because they didn't have a comprehensive plan. The president came in, he passed the American Rescue Plan, which was able to get the economy back on its feet, which was able to open up small businesses. Well, small businesses were able to open up. Schools were able to open up. And we understand what Americans have been feeling over the last two, three years. It's going to take some time. We get that. It's going to take some time. But it does not take away how we have seen the economy getting back on its feet. We actually had to fix the problem that we saw that the last administration left us. But almost three years in office. Inflation is up over 17% since President Biden came here. And inflation, you're saying that's still Trump's inflation, fault. Inflation is moderating because of the actions that this, per this president has taken. Because, that because prices are going up slower, they're still high. It's going down. The prices are going down. If you look at where, for example, for a perfect example, I mean, I just talked about last week how turkey prices, the cost for turkeys is going down, the cost for eggs is going down because of the actions that were taken. Which I just talked about supply chain and how that affects the economy. And that's because of the president's action that he's taken. And if you think about gas prices, it's down by $1.70 since its peak, since its peak because of the actions that this president has taken. So we understand that people are still not feeling it. We get that. But does it mean that we're not going to continue to talk about it? Does it mean that the president at 2 o'clock is not going to talk about how he's lowering cost? Right? And let's not forget what Republicans are doing on the other side of, of uh, again, Pennsylvania Avenue. They're trying to increase health care costs. They want to get rid of Medicare. They want to get rid of uh, Social Security. That is something that we saw them try to do at the State of the Union. Right? We, they do that over and over and over again. They want to make sure the millionaires and billionaires are, are actually uh, getting the benefits, right? And so that's not, that's not our way. Our way is to build the middle class from the bottom up, middle out, and the president believes in that. He talks about it. You're going to hear him talk about it in about an hour, and that's going to be our focus. I think I, to, I get to take one more. Go ahead, Brian. Thanks a lot, Kareem. Uh, has the president personally been involved today in these negotiations over the release of the hostages, this sticking point over having mothers released with their children? Has the president been personally involved today? So, in as you heard from the admiral, the president certainly has been kept aware. He's put, he's put in a very, um, very much a personal 
a focus on this, on these, uh, on um, on the pause that we're seeing. Uh, the pause that obviously the first uh, the first kind of deal of the pause is ending today. Now that we're going to see another two days, as you heard uh, from my colleague, and this is very personal for this president. He's been very much engaged. You've seen us read out uh, conversations that he's had. Uh, right with um, with um, leaders in the region, whether it's Egypt, Jordan, uh, and and others, in, in obviously including the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, and so the president has been incredibly involved in this. Uh, he was uh, certainly briefed by um, by his national security advisor Jake Sullivan this morning, as the admiral stated. And so, look, we've always been very clear when it comes to American hostages being held, uh, wrongfully detained, we take that very seriously. We want to make sure. Folks are going home to their families. That is important to this president. Families who are suffering, families who are wondering when the, when their loved ones are coming home. And let's not forget getting that all-important humanitarian aid in, into Gaza for the people of Gaza who need that. So that is going to be uh, the continue to be the focus of this president. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully, I'll see you on the road. Thanks, Karine. Bye. Thank you.